With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We have a special guest joining us for this episode, and I want to get right into it. I am Ryan Real. Joining us from the Canon, we have Eric Seeds. Hey, Seeds. Hey, Ryan. How's it going? Things are good. Things are good. And we also have William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good, good. And our special guest for this episode was a Blue Jacket from 2000 to 2003. He is currently Columbus's real estate agent to the stars, analyst extraordinaire, the hyphenator, Jean-Luc Grandpierre. Jean-Luc, thank you so much for joining the Canon cast. A pleasure beyond, guys. Uh, I've been waiting for this time like for like six months now, I think, and finally I got the call, so I'm, I'm very honored. <laughs> we just weren't ready for you yet. But uh, lately, you have been uh, really busy to close out your summer. You've been playing golf, you've been building playgrounds. How, how are you doing right now? I'm doing great, actually. Uh, yeah, last week I had the, uh, the Blue Jackets Foundation uh, playground build down uh, over uh, in Columbus, and uh, it was a really good time. Uh, Jody Shelley, I, um, uh, Jared Ball were there, and then we brought our families as well. So I had a really good time along with some uh, Blue Jackets employee and uh, some of the City of Columbus rec and rec- uh, Park and Recreation employees. So we had a lot of fun and uh, definitely got dirty and learned that uh, these guys work hard for their money. I'll tell you that. It's uh, <laughs> it's not an easy job. I was uh, mixing cement for a little bit and I uh, got pretty dusty for days coming out of my uh, snot and stuff. It was not <laughs> 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 good good to hear glad to hear no that's really cool that, that you guys do that that's that's neat yeah it's definitely uh you know it's a lot of fun to connect with people in the community and again it's uh you know it's always fun to go to golf tournament and stuff like that but uh once in a while to just get dirty and really uh get down to the the real work is fun as well and i think everybody enjoyed it hey john luke it's what will here um 
I had a question I was kind of curious about with the Blue Jackets. Um, basically, with the UFA departures and the end of an era, basically with Bobrovsky and Panarin leaving, I was cur- curious, how do you view the Blue Jackets as currently constructed going into this season? Uh, it's going to be a challenging year for uh, for the team, for sure, because you're losing a guy in Panarin who's, uh, you know, probably one of the top five, top ten forward in the league. So that's a lot of point production you're losing right there with him being gone. And obviously, Sergei Borowski was one to visit a couple of times. Uh, great goaltender as well has been, you know, with the team for a long time. So, uh, but I think... Uh, you know, as much as people are disappointed, these guys, uh, you know, gave their all to the organization for the time they were there. Uh, Artemi Panarin a little less time, but I think uh, he definitely got people into the seat and out of their seats when he was playing. So that was a great thing to see. Uh, but uh, as far as Sergei Bobrovsky uh, leaving, it's going to be a big loss. But I think the defense... Uh, you know, the group, the core of defensemen and type of hockey the Blue Jackets can play defensively as a whole, uh, they'll be able to manage that that loss of goaltending with, uh, well, we don't know who's going to be the goaltender, if it's going to be uh, Jonas Corposalo or Merz Lincoln yet, because it is an enigma. Uh, I've heard a lot about him, but still haven't seen him play a game. So it's going to be uh, very interesting from September in training camp to watch him play. Yeah, uh, Jean-Luc, this is uh, this is Eric. I've got a kind of a follow up question with that going into um, next season. The Blue Jackets are going to have a lot of youth on the roster. There's going to be a nice crop of young players coming in looking to uh, they're looking to make their mark starting in training camp next month. We saw a little bit of what uh, Alex Texier could do at the end of last season. And then we've got Emil Bemstrom coming in this year, uh, possibly Liam Foodie. Um, which play? Which of the young players are you looking at who could potentially make a or have a breakout performance this season? And um, who who would you say impressed you the most at development camp um, earlier this summer? Uh, Liam Foodie definitely uh, opened some eyes uh, during the development camp. Uh, I didn't look that much for uh, Bemstrom and uh, Texier because I was familiar with Texier and Bemstrom didn't notice him uh, like as much but again because it was a three-on-three type environment it was hard to really assess Mm -hmm. someone's you know overall play because you know you could take a really good really really good NHL player and an AHL player in a three-on-three game and the American Hockey League guy may look more flashy so it's hard to really Mm -hmm. evaluate what you have coming into the season Mm -hmm. but uh I think the key for the Blue Jackets uh, is going to be trying to find a spot for these guys on the top three lines because you cannot take a guy that you expect offensive production from and put him on the fourth line and give him, you know, two, three minutes a period. So I think uh, John Torella is going to have plenty of talent to work with. It's just going to be uh, for him to manage who's going to keep up and who's going to send to the American Hockey League next season because I don't think there's enough room for all of them uh, in the roster right now. Right, yeah, and if and if we're looking at guys who can keep up, I remember watching Foodie in the three on three tournament last year. That kid can fly on the ice. He's he's a, one of the fastest skaters I've ever seen. Yeah, so he's definitely he has the skills. He definitely has uh, the pace to to keep up with the game and even push the the pace of the game up. Uh, but again, it's you know we saw it in the playoff with Texier, who came in toward the end of season playing against teams that are not necessarily playoff worthy. And then all of a sudden you're stepping in against Tampa Bay and Boston. It's a different game, right? So for these guys from training camp to playing the real games, there's going to be a big step. 
And that's, that's going to be up to management to be really be able to evaluate who is going to be ready to start. And I don't think Texier necessarily has a step up over Bemstrom or, or Foodie at this point because, yes, he came up at the end of the year, but it's going to be a battle for all three of them to see who's going to stick because, uh, you know, we've seen the in the past with uh, Carlson, uh, the defenseman that, that came up a few years ago, and we haven't seen him in Columbus in a while now. Yeah, Jean-Luc, you, you touched on it earlier about the goaltending. That's the big question for this team this year. You, you used the word enigma when talking about Elvis Merzlikens. And, uh, you know, do you think... He can take that job, or I mean, what what's what are your thoughts with with a guy who you haven't seen and, and most of us haven't seen really play uh, a ton, and definitely not in North America? Or you know, do you think Corpusello could could rise to that number one spot? Uh, that that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> I, uh, I I strongly believe that Yarmo Kekalainen knows he's got someone special, or he saw something in Corpusello that. Uh, he knows that he's going to be able to step up and do the job this year because I believe it would have made a move for a goaltender if he didn't really believe in them. So something, somebody's going to come out big or maybe it's just going to be a 50-50 type case like the Islanders did last year. Uh, and obviously that worked out well for them. So uh, who's going to be named the starter? I do not know. I think most likely the season's going to start and uh, John Terrell is going to ride whoever's hot. That's mm. probably how he's going to start the mm. season because I don't, uh, you know, if I were to give the edge to someone right now, I'd give it to Corp Salo just because he has the NHL experience. But, uh, you know, you can't overlook Elvis from what I heard anyway. Sure, sure. Especially when he's, you know, driving fancy sports cars and, uh, <laughs> you know, making a name for himself like that. Yeah, he's definitely got the look, you know. He's a tall guy, <laughs> not bad looking. Got the tats, the sports car, a little bit of a <laughs> rebel-like attitude. So I think the fans are definitely going to connect with him because he's not going to be a boring guy to be around. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> for sure. A little, little bit of swagger there. That's yeah. right. Hey, Jean-Luc. Um, so you're from Quebec and you've played all over the world as a professional. Uh, what was it about Columbus that made you decide to live here? And what would you tell a fellow hockey player to convince them to settle here in Columbus? Uh, so, you know, you know, they talk about Columbus being great to be, especially uh, if you have family. Obviously, now I have a family, I have kids uh, and, uh, you know, absolutely love the community. But for me, the biggest thing with Columbus was uh, my actually my, my actual best friend when I was playing with the Blue Jackets happened to be my next door neighbor who was a married guy with <laughs> a young daughter that was like two or three years old and his wife. And I hung out with this guy all the time. And at the time I was single and we literally rode motorcycles together, went golfing together. And that's somebody I still stay in touch with now. And to me, that was uh, something that was really awesome because you got to be in a city where you know, you were, you know, obviously the Buckeyes, uh, especially back then, it was all Buckeyes and then Blue Jackets a little bit. But for me to be able to, like, walk around my neighborhood and just be a normal guy and everybody accepting me for who I am and not because I played hockey was really awesome because half of them didn't know I played hockey. They were just a little <laughs> suspicious about my car collection in the driveway <laughs> and me being home all day. So <laughs> my asked me, so what do you do for a living anyway? And then I told him and then he's like, oh, that makes sense now. Because <laughs> I think they were a little worried when they saw, 
22 year old uh, young stud moving next door with uh, cars and motorcycles. It's <laughs> <laughs> funny. Uh, so, but yeah, it's a great community. Uh, my family really enjoys it here. And uh, yeah, I'll be here for, you know, hopefully for a long time. I really like it. I actually talked to Jody Shelley. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say, I actually talked to Jody Shelley last year and he said the same thing about the community. And it sounds that, yeah, it sounds like everybody really loves, you know, what Columbus is basically turned into these days. Yeah, it has. And, uh, you know, the cost of living is very, uh, you know, uh, acceptable. Uh, it's not like off the charts, like certain cities, you know, yeah. Sometimes in the middle of January, do I wish I was in uh, Miami or uh, Los Angeles? Absolutely. But, you know, the winter are definitely shorter than back home in Montreal. So, uh, you know, a couple of months here and there, I can suck it up and then, comes March all the way through October when pretty good shape. So uh, it's awesome. Love it. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad you like Columbus so much, Jean-Luc. As uh, someone, um, I'm I'm born and raised here, and still live out in New Albany. So it's a I'm glad you're still around town. Um, with the departure of John Davidson in Columbus this summer, uh, leaving to go back to the New York Rangers, um, Yarmo Kekalainen's now the man here. Uh, how have you seen him growing into uh, the front office around here? Now taking over as the man in this new role. How have you seen him grow uh, over the years here? Uh, it was really interesting because, uh, so obviously John Davidson brings him along and not many people knew much about uh, uh, Yarmo Kekalina at the time because I think uh, John, Davis, uh, John Davidson was always seen as the mastermind behind everything, even when he was in St. Louis. And obviously now in Columbus, we saw what Yarmo can do. And John Davidson was still kind of behind the scene, but I think uh, most of the move were orchestrated by uh, Yarmo Kekalainen. And obviously, I'm sure there was some kind of consulting uh, with uh, John Davidson as well. But I think uh, John Davidson did a good jo job molding him into this role and, uh, you know, keeping him around almost like what uh, Yarmo is doing with Rick Nash. Uh, right now for the, you know, the future, maybe in 10 mm -hmm. years, Yarmo decides to leave and Rick Nash become the general manager slash president, which would be awesome, by the way. Uh, not that I want to get Yarmo out of here, but it would be awesome to see, a, you know, a past player become, a, you know, a, in, in upper management with Columbus, like you see around the league with the Joe Sackicks and uh, uh, who's in Detroit now, uh, Steve Eiserman. So, yeah, so it's really cool to see uh, some of those old players coming back into uh, prominent roles in management. But am I worried about uh, Yamo Klein being president and, you know, general manager? Absolutely not. Uh, he's a go-getter. Uh, yes, he, he did a few gambles uh, last season at a trade deadline. Was it worth it? Uh, to me, it was because uh, I think what we saw in that first round series and even in the Boston series from the community, the city, and the whole NHL. It really opened some eyes on Columbus. Uh, unfortunately, 
that didn't necessarily throw a lot of free agents wanting to sign here, but uh, I think it was a very positive step for the organization. Well, Jean-Luc, that's interesting you talk about the free agents and, and you know, that's a readily available, sometimes readily available source of talent that you can go out and get. And, and you played defense for this team and around the NHL and around the world. For you as a defenseman, is it more important to have elite players and that elite level talent or a strong defensive scheme? One of our writers did a series recently that showed the Jackets kind of struggled in many defensive areas despite having, you know, uh, highly regarded blue liners like Jones and Wierenski. What do you make of, of the kind of talent versus scheme question? Oh, it all depends on the coach. Uh, and it, it comes back to culture and who's willing to do the work. You can bring a lot of superstars, put them on a team, and depending on who's coaching that group, it could be a very successful team, like it could be a complete flop. Uh, you look at a team like St. Louis last year, you know, there were a few superstars, Vladimir Tarasenko, maybe, but even if you look at their overall performance, the whole group really like believed in the coach, uh, mm. you know, in uh, Barry Bay, uh, that did an incredible job really getting all these guys behind him. And you could see them play as a unit. And that's how they won the cup, right? So as a general manager, uh, and that's one of the tricky thing for them too, is like, is it easy to write a big check for a superstar? It actually is fairly easy. But how is it going to affect your team? How is it going to affect your coaching staff if you bring somebody that plays a completely different style than what your team's used to? So there's a lot of variables that come into play, which is one of the reasons why I would never get a management because I pray get fired with <laughs> yeah. you know after year one because it's not like when you're on your Xbox or PlayStation you're putting a superstar team and just try to stay under the cap. The human aspect of each player is their style of play, their personalities, uh, you know, their environment, who's, who are they around, who they hang around. There's so much, uh, you know, that is involved in the game now that it's really confusing. And that's why they have all these scouts, all those psychologists and all these team doctors around, because it's really not just about what you see on the ice. I would say probably 50% of it is like their personality off the ice, their background and all kind of different variables like that. So uh, it's a complicated equation to put a a championship team together. And a lot of time it comes back to momentum and luck as well. Hey, John Luke. So you played in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League as well as European Pro Leagues. Uh, How would you compare the level of play in those leagues? And do you think one or the other is better for prospect development? Uh, That is actually a really good question. I spoke to Chris Clark about it because you're seeing a lot of the higher-end prospects, especially with the Blue Jackets organization, as of late, I've been playing European hockey. And uh, so when I played the Quebec, you know, the Canadian Junior League, basically the uh, Ontario Western League and Quebec League was where most of the prospect came back, came from. Uh, There were some European, but nothing really came out of college hockey. Uh, Now you see a lot of college hockey, right? NCAA players. Yeah. Way less junior guys, especially in the first few rounds and a lot of European guys. Having played in Europe, I can tell you the level of talent and the way these kids are coached is really incredible because they get to play a professional game at a very young age. Uh, so Oliver Ekman-Larsen 
and Victor Rask and uh, Anton Forsberg actually played with them when I was in Sweden. You know, they were 16, wow. 17, yeah. and 18 year old playing, you know, with full blown man, right? And were they dominant at this level? They weren't, but you could definitely see them develop. So a lot of time you see a, a junior guy put 100 points in the major juniors or, you know, 40 points in 40 games in the NCAA, and then you see, like, a first-round pick is a defenseman, supposedly offensive defenseman, who put up, like, 12 points in 50 games in Europe, and you're like, that doesn't make sense. Well, they can see that development coming from these guys, and you have to remember, they're 17-year-old playing against men, you know, for a full season or two seasons, so they really look at that, so you can't base yourself just on stats, and I think the coaching, the larger eyes, them being able to, you know, be good skater and positioning wise uh, definitely helps scouts, you know, bring more and more European. Uh, and I think the trend right now, you're going to see more and more European take, uh, you know, those first few rounds in the draft every year because uh, they get their system right. That's for sure. Well, thank you for the thank you for the insight on that, uh, Jean-Luc. I have a. I have a fun question from one of our writers, um, Elaine Shercliffe. She couldn't be on the pod tonight, and she wanted to say hello to you. But her question for you is, uh, what would be your perfect foursome made up only of Blue Jackets players, current or past? On a golf course? Yeah. Who, if, you could, if, if it was you and, three other, you and three other Blue Jackets, either current or former, who would you most want to have a day on the links with? Uh, a day on the links, so... Actually, uh, definitely Jody Shelley, because he's just an absolute riot. Uh, <laughs> now, uh, for the long distance, I would probably bring Freddie Modine, because he can absolutely crush the ball. Yeah. And then, would Billy Davidge count as a former jacket? Absolutely. Sure. All right. So, Billy's short game and putting game is awesome. Mm-hmm. So, that would make it, uh, so that's three guys right now. And then, uh, who else would I bring? I'm trying to think here. Hmm. Uh, I'd probably uh, bring Grant Marshall. Grant Marshall was a really good golfer as well. He could really? Hit dri- oh, he could hit driver off the deck. Uh, <laughs> that's you know, awesome. 270, no problem. So, he could definitely crush it. So I'm the fifth, so I'll just drive the cart and watch him play. There you go. <laughs> there you go. I just put my rider team, uh, my my rider cup team together right there. And you're the cap, and you're the captain who gets all the accolades at the end, right? <laughs> Guys, when I'm on the golf course, honestly, true story. I just played in a pro am the other day at uh, uh, Double Eagle, and uh-huh. I was playing with a uh, what was it? Tom Ferry, Tom Ferry tour, the web.com tour thing, whatever it is, they changed the name again. And uh, I showed up and, you know, when I'm on a golf course, like I'm not good, but I'm going to look good. Right. So I got my custom staff bag with my name on it, (laughs) all the latest club. And I look like, I look like a million bucks and all the pros are driving the carts and I get to my cart and my bag is in the driver's side. And I was like, you realize I'm not the pro, right? <laughs> I think when they put the bags, they thought I was the pro. I was like, I'm just here to look good. I'm not the pro. So the pro, like, we actually had to switch bags. So I'm that kind of golfer. I just love to go out on golf trips, have fun. But uh, am I good? Absolutely not. But I love the game. Love the game. 
So I've got a I've got a follow up question because I just played in a an outing yesterday at Bent Tree up in up in the Sunbury area. Um, oh boy! What are, what are your what what is your clubs and what ball do you hit? If you don't mind me asking. So I am um, a big fan of the uh, Titleist AVX or the Vice Pro. Okay, because okay. uh, I lose a lot of balls, so I'm not gonna drop. Uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna drop fifty bucks a dozen because uh, I don't think my wife would let me golf anymore. So uh, <laughs> I, Vice is a good deal, like best ball for the money for sure. Uh, and then as far as which club, so I love playing the new eras. Uh, so which Bentry is one of them. And mm-hmm. uh, as far as Bentry itself, I struggle immensely there. I can't stand some of their holes because of the blind shots. Uh, but New Albany Lynx is probably my go-to. Uh, I live right in New Albany, so I'm there probably three, four times a week, uh, right. hacking it around there and try to stay away from people's windows. There you go. I'm a I'm a Callaway man personally, so okay. Yeah. Nice. But yeah, had a and yeah. So playing at Bentry yesterday, I had a I had a good time. You know, minus those blind shots, we we didn't win the outing, but we finished respectably. We were at least under par. There were some groups that weren't. There you go. See, uh, if you ever go to Bentry and you see a bunch of, uh, I had a bunch of balls with my name on it, and they're probably in the driving range right now. So next time you go to driving range there and you find a couple of Grand Pierre balls, that's me that was just whacking off number one and slicing it into the range. <laughs> those are my balls. <laughs> I will make sure I go look for those. <laughs> oh. Jean-Luc, uh, we've taken up enough of your time. We'll get you out of here on on sort of a, an overall fun one. We, we on this podcast, as you know, as a regular listener, have been talking about kind of the drama, and that's kind of been the consensus over the summer that this year, however it turns out, you know, there there's kind of a different atmosphere, and I think a lot of the fans are just kind of excited to get back to fun hockey with these young players and the core that we know and the strong group. When you look at this team in this upcoming season, is that the feeling you're getting or is it something different or what are you making of this this upcoming year? Yeah, I think it's going to be a very exciting uh, – it's going to be a ex- really exciting year for the fans because uh, we're going to start seeing some younger players coming through again. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to see what Cam Atkinson is going to do this year, what Josh Anderson is going to be uh, – Oliver Bjorkstrand, is he ready to take that next step, right, to become really a premier forward in this league? And then we have some of the young guys that we don't know that much again. You know, will Cole Sherwood uh, make a big move into the roster this year or not? Yeah. Uh, I saw Marco Dano is a re-sign here on quite a large AHL deal. So I think he's going to spend some time in Columbus if I were to take an educated guess. I think he's going to spend some time here. And then obviously there's uh, Elvis. And then uh, on the on the defensive core, I think the Blue Jackets have probably one of the top three. If you look at their top six, I would say top three, top two in the league. So I'm really, really confident in that young core of defensemen. Uh, you know, obviously Zach is not signed yet, but I'm really not worried about it. So mm-hmm. it's going it's going to be exciting. But I was looking at the schedule, and I believe they are playing. Eight of their first 10 games are going to be against playoff teams from last season. You know, the Toronto, the Pittsburgh, the Islanders. So it's going, they have to be ready when the puck drops on game one because uh, you do not want to start the season, you know, like two and eight or something like that. So that, that for those first 10 games are going to be crucial. Absolutely. Well, we can't wait for the season to start. Can't wait for your analysis and, and, and your tweets and your memes coming up for the season. Cannot wait for the season to get started. Thank you so much for joining us on the Canon cast.
Yes. Hi, thank you're you. welcome, guys. Always a thank pleasure. Thank you. That is it. That is all the time we have for this episode. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. If you have not checked out Angel's new album, 430, give it a listen. It is so good. You can stream it all over. You can find out more at angelapurley.com. Rate us, leave us a review on iTunes. That really helps other people find the show. As always, we welcome your comments. Thank you so much for listening. Thank Jean-Luc Grandpierre for coming on the CanonCast. You can find him on Twitter at JLGP34. You can find us at CBJ Cannon. From all of us at the Canon, thank you, and we'll see you next week. I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.